0: How you doing? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day out there, sunshine
1: and Oh, it's nice. Don't you feel like Mr. Rogers? It's a beautiful day in it the neighborhood. Is. It
0: is a beautiful day. The yeah. farms are looking good. Oh, oh, yeah. It's looking great. Yeah. Well,
1: you were gone last week. Yes. And uh, I certainly hope all is well. And we're back this week. What? Uh, let's see. The last time you were here, we were talking. I can't remember. it uh, isn't Chisholm, the Trail, Chisholm Trails, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So we're going to deviate from that oh, a little boy. bit. Uh, so I'm going to ask my listeners and you, Zeb, have you ever heard of a, of a device called the heliograph? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, but I don't know as I remember what it was about. Okay, a heliograph is a device with movable mirrors for signaling. Oh, kind of like in the
1: old days of the signal mirrors. Right,
0: exactly. So that's what we're going to talk about today is, uh, you know, in in warfare, in battle, whatever, communication is absolutely the most important thing you can have. You know, and they they used you know, bugles and drums and things like that. I could
1: never understand smoke signals. Could you j- know, like, if I see a puff of smoke, that doesn't tell me, the cavalry's <laughs> in the next canyon. That's I don't right. understand that.
0: Yeah, to me it's just... One under-
1: puff means attack, two puffs means <laughs> get the heck out of Dodge City.
0: <laughs> right. So this is kind of interesting about these heliographs and how they were used. But so, you know, you think about guys like Cochise, Geronimo, General Crook, Miles, you know, they're... All familiar with when you think of the bloody military in the Southwest, but an interesting aspect of the Army's efforts uh, that of the use of the heliograph. ...for communication uh, really hasn't had much attention. Not, people, you know, you don't see that really that much. But the use of the ever-present southwestern sun, obviously, sunny, was in a real sense a forerunner of today's sophisticated Army communication systems. So with these heliograph instruments... The military messages were sent quickly over long distances with less danger of misinterpretation. Okay, now, wait a minute. Uh, long distances. And I'm going to tell you how far some of these went uh, as far as miles. Were the
1: heliographs the same as kind of the lights on submarines in World War II?
0: Um, kind they, of? I, sort of, but I think... I, you know, I'm not sure exactly if they were using Morse code or they had their own code. Oh, I see. Because I think on, the, on in World War II they used Morse code oh. somehow with those lights, okay. I believe. Okay. So, But, you know, as early as the Civil War, the Union Army experimented with small handheld mirrors, huh. and they were operated by a key mechanism which quickly moved the mirror. But the action of the key was kind of clumsy. It needed constant readjustment to get it to work right. Uh, did, it, did it rely on the pauses
1: and the uh, quickness of you know, like I, the Morse code
0: system? I did not find exactly how they were able to have words and letters. It doesn't make sense to me. Unless it was Morse codes yeah and i don't know how I should so a short on that.
1: flash of light might be an a yeah well, okay
0: and i don't know the, the morse i need to check on that because maybe it was morse code even back in the 1800s i don't know maybe one of our listeners can tell us that but uh you know th- these early models were big they were unhandy they didn't have interchangeable parts so they were pretty complicated and kind of would they stand on a tripod or something um, it doesn't say that they did, they, but they had to have it sitting down so they had direct uh, sunlight, yeah. you know, going on. But in the early 1880s, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a first lieutenant E. C. Grugen of the Signal Corps, and he patented what he called a heliotrope instead of a heliograph. He called it a heliotrope, and it differed radically from the previous models. Uh, Grugan's device had circular mirror mirrors, which were larger. So, anyway, after the initial success of the heliograph in the last Apache campaigns, a board of officers was ordered to design a more efficient device for general army use. So, by 1888, the board had designed a strong, compact, lightweight heliograph, which was used up until 1917. Oh, my. Clear up, you know, so, but it had... The nice thing, it had interchangeable parts. The mirrors were four and a half inches square and could be knocked down into three lightweight
1: packs. I have a dumb question. Okay. Why would they call it a heliograph? Graph signifies to me it's going to be on paper
0: or something, you know? I, I don't know. I mean, heliotrope, heliograph. I'm lost. uh, Me too. Okay. (laughs) So so, anyway, so they come down with this newer one that's easier to carry, lighter weight. Because remember, they're going to the tops of mountains. Yeah. So you've got to carry this stuff up uh, up the hill. So after 1886, uh, Chief Signal Officer A.W. Greeley said this. He said, The use of the heliograph is rapidly growing at our frontier posts and has become a necessity for field campaigning. The demand for these instruments is far beyond the ability of this office to supply owing to limited appropriations. It is certain that this instrument... For the coming years, will hold its own in favor and usefulness. So he had he figured this was really going to catch on, okay. and they needed more and more of them.
1: I got a dumb question. Okay, again,
0: great on a sunny day. I'm going to get to that. Ah, <laughs> you knew that. <laughs> so, in comparison to a flag, or and I'd never heard this term, they called flag. They called it wigwag Wig wag wig-wag signaling.
1: Uh, I don't. That's know. a very extensive collegiate I have term. No idea wig-wag. where that came from. Okay.
0: Anyway, another officer, a guy by the name of Thompson, said, "Quote: The extreme limit to which a signal by flag can be read with certainty falls so far short of the requirements for frontier signaling that the heliograph has rapidly rapidly come to the fore." Is what he said. Uh-huh. So they were getting rid of the flags, but. Again, well, anyway, cloudy day, maybe the flags would be all right. Yeah. So... So, undoubtedly, the heliograph. I got to have a drink, Zeb.
1: Yeah, go ahead. I won't tell him what you're drinking. <laughs> it's clear.
0: <laughs> so, undoubtedly, the heliograph proved itself on the mountain tops of Arizona and New Mexico. Now, the last major campaign against the Chiricahua Apaches developed from the unsuccessful attempt by General George Crook to persuade or force the surrender of Geronimo and other Chiricahua leaders, Chiricahua, uh, and Crook resigned. I mean, he was not very successful there. So General Nelson Miles uh Crook's replacement as commander of the Department of Arizona, he took advantage of the southwestern sunshine and ordered the establishment of a heliographic communication in southeastern Arizona and southwestern New Mexico. Miles actually ordered uh, orders of April 20th, 1886 read as follows. Here's his orders. Okay. And I'm going to read this word for word. The chief object of the troops will be to capture or destroy any band of hostile Apache Indians found in this section of country. To better facilitate this duty and afford as far as practicable protection to the scattered settlement, the territory is subdivided into districts of observation as shown upon maps and will be placed under commanding officers to be hereafter designated. The signal detachments will be placed upon the highest peaks and prominent lookouts to discover any movement of Indians and to transmit messages between the different camps.
1: I think I've got it figured out that if they went, like all four points of the compass, east, west, north, and south, in a certain region, and established at the highest points of each region uh, a signal area, they could basically box out or square out all the real estate at those four points of the compass and with signals, uh, with the sunlight... They could go, well, I would estimate, maybe I'm wrong on this, but you could probably see those signals 50 miles.
0: Well, I'm, and I'll tell you that, that I've got something on the at, Am I wrong on the miles. way they set this up? I'm not exactly ha- sure how they set it up, but they were able to communicate, yeah. like you say, from one east, north, south.
1: They east. had to have,
0: like, all four points of the
1: compass. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, General Miles... <clears throat> Was already familiar with the heliograph, uh, and get this: while he was serving in Montana in 1878 and 79, he borrowed six of them from the Signal Corps and established a line from Fort Keogh to Fort Custer. Now I looked that up on the map. Uh, Fort Keogh is near Miles City, Montana. Right, right. Fort uh, Custer is near a town called Hardin, mm-hmm. and that's 118 miles. So I, I'm wow. thinking, I don't think they actually went the full distance of 118 with one set. They probably had some in between, but, but that's 118.
1: Miles. there again, now you're talking about the landmass and the geographic area as far as trees, hills, etc. Yeah. Must have been
0: pretty doggone flat. Right, yeah. Uh, but Miles directed successful uh, heliograph communication between Vancouver Barracks, Washington to Mount Hood, Oregon. So again, and this is up where you know wow. it's pretty cloudy, but yeah you know, to build his southwestern system, miles requested a dozen additional operators and equipment. How big were they? you know i I did not have a picture of them, so I don't know how big the actual machine was. I mean was.
1: you'd be lugging these heliographs all
0: over if well, but they were broken down into three. Packs or parts, oh, I see. you know. Okay. So three guys could carry them. So I don't know how heavy they were. Okay. But to build this operation, he ordered additional operators in May and June of 1886. 34 heliographs, 10 telescopes, 30 marine binoculars, and 11 men were detailed to Miles. So. Obviously, if they had a telescope or binoculars, you could see the signal from a long ways away. Yeah. So the officers were assisted by the Signal Corps, established uh, training sessions at various forts, uh, located station sites and built their systems by connecting stations one by one. Uh, the New Mexico district was comprised of 12 stations, each strategically placed. His system covered 313, what they call airline miles. So to me, that's just as the bird flies, the yeah. crow flies. Yeah. So, But 313 miles. The system was managed by 29 men, mostly privates. Uh, Arizona lines included 12 stations and involved 65 enlisted men. And get this, if you ask this, only one day was lost because of cloudy weather. Really? So down, yeah. So the sun shines all the time. I don't.
1: I, I wish you could find out more about this because I'm I'm intrigued by the fact. How did they make each flutter of the shutter? How do you like that? That's cool. flutter of the shutter <laughs> to discern a letter or parts of the alphabet. Uh, that know, really know, is I, something. I don't is, understand. I, that. I
0: should have checked on that. And if it's Morse code. That would explain that flutter of the shutter. (laughs) Okay. Well, so anyway, the hub of the network down there was Fort Bowie in Southwestern Arizona. Yeah. Uh, more messages were were sent from Bowie station than any other. Uh, the heliograph had been used in Arizona actually prior to miles time. Uh, this is kind of a little interesting side note. Uh, It had been used prior by a Captain Mouse in 1881. He sent messages from Fort Grant to his girlfriend, a cattleman's daughter, using just a handmade mirror. Uh,
1: Boy, the whole world, if they knew how to read those notes, can you imagine what their thoughts were? Uh,
0: I don't even want to go there. Meet me at water hole number three. (laughs) Well, anyway, the heliograph during the Geronimo campaign apparently had three main functions. In addition to circulating information within the system telegraph messages were relayed via the uh, the heliograph and both meso- methods were used as supplementary lines of communication.
1: I've got another question for okay. you and in your looking in history the Indians, the uh, Apaches etc Geronimo and all the other Indian chiefs were very smart. Yes. Why didn't they do something to disrupt
0: I'm, I'm going to get to I'm going to that. Gonna get to that. <laughs> I got it covered. So the stations and the heliographs were you know, great tactical value. During an attempt by some Apaches to enter the United States, these heliographs were used in transmitting troop movement orders. Miles undoubtedly was more certain of the positions of the various commands than he would have been with only telegraph and courier communications. So his heliographs also served to fill in, I guess, what you'd call the blind spots, uh, between normal communication points so it filled in you know what the telegraph and couriers couldn't do so the story is told by miles uh, regarding Geron- geronimo's reaction to the new signaling device and we kind of have to take this with a grain of salt it seemed a little bit exaggerated uh since it is known that the apache knew of some of these stations okay Here's the deal Zeb no heliograph stations were attacked Miles has described the historic meeting in Skeleton Canyon which led to Geronimo's surrender as follows okay here it is this is this is what what took place according to Miles I told him Geronimo that we had the use of steam and could move troops with great rapidity that we also had the telegraph and the heliostat both superior to any of their methods of communication I said to Geronimo, we can watch your movements and send messages over the tops of these mountains in a small part of one day and over a distance which it would take a man mounted on a swift pony 20 days to travel. Geronimo's face assumed an air of curiosity and incredulity. Incred- that word, incredulity. Incredulity. <laughs> yeah, he I ha- was
1: incredulous he about was. it.
0: As I have previously had occasion to remark... When an Indian sees something that he cannot comprehend, he attributes it to some power beyond his knowledge and control. Geronimo told me he had observed these flashes upon the mountain heights and believed them to be spirits, had avoided them, by going around those points of the mountains, never realizing that it was a subtle power used by his enemies.
1: Now, right there i got to say, I am surprised that you are saying that they were never attacked.
0: Well, and, and according to this, Geronimo thought there was something, uh, the great spirit. So or? they
1: had seen the flashes right. of light yeah. and assumed that it was something with the great spirit. Right. So they didn't, they just, avoided. but once they realized that it was a uh, perpetration by mankind and the cavalry and the army, you would think they had done something to counteract, right.
0: it. But but it was too late. Uh, I think it was too late. In fact, Miles, for a demonstration of the heliograph, Miles had a message sent to Fort Bowie inquiring for Geronimo if his brother were well. A reply was returned shortly, and Miles related this. Here's what he said. This struck the savage, Geronimo, with awe and evidently made a strong impression upon him. I noticed that he had that he said something to one of his warriors close by, at which the warrior quietly turned on his heel, walked back a short distance to where his pony was tied, jumped on his back, and rode rapidly back in the direction of the mountain from whence Geronimo had come. Now, Miles asked Geronimo, uh, he said, uh, what did you tell the warrior? And so here's what Geronimo said. The interpreter replied, he told him to go and tell Natchez, another chief, that there was a power here which he could not understand, and to come in and come quick, The heliostat, Miles' term for the heliograph, had performed its last and best work, and in a few hours, Natchez came riding down from the mountains with his band of warriors and their families and came into camp, uh, though with much hesitation and reserve.
1: Wow. We have a caller with a question real quick. Stand by. Caller, real fast. You're on the air. Fast. Well, I just know that, like, out here south of Deklo, when you get too close to the mountain, you can't pick up anything from off the top. I just wondered, you know, that could have been a possibility for them. I mean, they they didn't know that, evidently, but but anyway, that's that's the way it is out here. Oh, so you're saying that the Indian tribes, if they got too close to the bottom of the mountain, they wouldn't have realized or recognized what was happening. Well, they wouldn't have been able to be seen by the people up on the top of the mountain, you know. Yeah. The to, to signal of the to, for them to know that they were there. Yeah. It, it is amazing, though, as to how we think back in old days as primitive, but the technology and technocracy is really amazing.
0: It really is. You Thank know, you for your call, caller. I appreciate that. So. You know, when Geronimo under guard, uh, you know, the campaign was almost over, uh, you know, things were settling down. And Miles wrote uh, his wife in 1886. Here's what he said to her. He said, we have at last been most successful. I am making a clean sweep of the hostile Apache out of this country, and it has given a feeling of relief and security to thousands of homes that they have never felt before. It is a brilliant ending of a difficult problem. So he goes on, he said, you know, the uh, the Miles heliograph system, uh, there's some figures that I think is pretty interesting, had made possible to send over 2,200 messages, some over 200 words, and his men succeeded in sending a message of 25 words along a zigzag course of 400 miles, followed by an answer in about four hours. Uh, impressed by the speed and accuracy of the heliograph and their operators, Army officers established an extensive practice operation in Arizona and New Mexico during the summer of 1890. Now, at this time, messages were sent over 130 miles between only two stations two stations. Wow. And the military decided to incorporate heliographs into the communications arsenal, and today many of the peaks and hilltops used to flash messages, service, relay stations for TV, microwave, cell phones, electronic devices, and, uh, you know, but you got to salute these officers and enlisted men. I mean, they trudged up the top of these mountains. Yeah. They camped up on top where it was cold and windy. What and a lonely life. Taking their mirrors. and. Yeah. But did they do the same
1: I'm going to ask you a question I don't mean to put you on the spot yes I do Uh did they do the same thing perhaps to a limited degree at night with lanterns
0: I don't know that I you know with Because
1: lighted in the evening in the dark would carry a long way Well
0: and if you had your telescope or your yeah. uh binoculars and had it set exactly at the right place to look for a light Yeah I I don't suppose that would it couldn't happen yeah
1: you know it was interesting you got to find out more about that though
0: i do i am confu- i should have checked on the morse code thing cuz i don't know what year that was invented
1: yeah so well samuel was it samuel morse samuel morse Morris. yeah, yeah. Huh. so call him ask him
0: well you know what though the telegraph <laughs> was going yeah and the telegraph was morse code right yeah so this had to be morse code
1: Boy, if you had I an think... operator with a cold, he could really mess things up. Got <laughs> you. a sneeze, yeah. I could I gotta run up. that was interesting. Find out a little bit more I, for next I will week do though. That. I, I will. appreciate that.